Proverbs chapter 3. <clears throat> we are carrying on today in the series, Kingdom Solutions, that we've been looking at over the past, <clears throat> past four or five weeks. Been interrupted by a few things, but we love interruptions of the Lord, don't we? We'll allow God to interrupt any, any day. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6, some of you know this off by heart, but I want to read it. The Holy Spirit recorded, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, I thank you again that you have paid a huge price to get your spirit back inside of us again and for us to be reconnected with you. What an incredible price you paid. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, dwelling on the inside of us. I thank you that you have made us the modern day Ark of the Covenants. You dwelling, your presence in us. And I thank you because of that, we are able to grasp your words. We're able to understand kingdom things. I thank you that you have opened up our ears to hear and understand things that those of the flesh never will. Before we begin, I ask for a fresh anointing. Holy Spirit, would you take literal possession of my mind and my mouth? I only want to say those things that I hear you say and do those things that I see you do. And with the authority you've given in the name of Jesus, I bind up every demonic bird that would seek to snatch and pervert the seed that's going to be sown. I command you now to be silent and be outside the walls of this building in Jesus' name. And Father, I want to say thank you that you are speaking and your children are hearing your voice. I want to say thank you that today people are going to hear things in here that are not going to come out of my mouth. But they're going to hear it from you. As you deposit a rhema word into their life, they will know it's you, they will hear it, they will capture it, and they will be obedient to it because we believe a single word from you can change everything. And so by faith, we say thank you in advance that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish in the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody in agreement said, amen. Quite a number of years ago, <clears throat> I heard a story that the Lord used to impact my life in so many levels. An incredibly simple story, but an incredibly profound story. Some of you may have heard it. But it's a story of two women that were driving. I gotta honestly tell you, I don't remember where they were going. I don't remember why they were going where they were going. But they ran out of gas on their way to their destination. And they were not on a major roadway where people would be driving by regularly. In fact, they were where they were. No one came by. And they were about 200 kilometers from a gas station from where they were. And so the vehicle died as they were driving and they just pulled off to the side of the road. They got out and it was like, oh great, forgot to gas up. No one around. What are we gonna do? Then one of them said, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord. So right there outside, beside the vehicle, the women began to pray, asking the Lord what they should do. It didn't take very long for one of them. They said, 
God's showing me a picture of Jesus at the wedding of Cana turning water into wine. And I believe the Lord is telling us we need to fill the gas tank full of water and then pray over it. The other one said, okay, let's do it. And so they went into the car. They took out a couple of cups and some bottles that they had in there that they had used on their trip. There just happened to be water not that far from where the car stopped. Just happened to be there. And they began to fill the tank full of water. Took a little while because the cups, the bottles weren't very much, but it took a while. They filled it up. Finally, the tank was full. When it was full, they laid their hands on the vehicle. They prayed and spoke to the water and commanded it to turn to fuel. When they finished, they both got in the car. The driver put her hand on the key. They looked at each other with that look. She turned the key and the car started. And they drove 200 kilometers to get to the gas station and fuel it up with real fuel. How many of you heard that story before? Yeah, a pile of us have. I gotta tell you, when I first heard that story, and I believe it was Gary Cassie who told it in one of his teachings, one of the first thoughts that went through me is, I didn't even know that I could believe for that kind of thing. Never even crossed my mind that I could believe for water to turn to fuel. But I gotta tell you one of the other things that went through me, and it went off inside of me, and I'll tell you, I will never forget what happened inside of me when I heard that. The thought was this. It's exactly right, it's exactly. <laughs> Whose child is that, by the way? Here is the thought that went off inside of me. I went, I want to be like that. I want to be like those two women. I want to have what they have. Those two women, I don't want to not forget, the, I don't want to forget to gas up. I don't want to be in the middle of nowhere. But when something happens, when something goes wrong, when there's a problem, when there's an answer, direction, I want to be like those women. Can I ask you a question? In that scenario, what caused those women to do what they did? What caused them to do it? One thing. Their belief system. They believed something that caused them to do what they did. Um, little revised version here. Would you finish this for me? As a woman thinketh, Are we okay to say that, guys? Man is generic, right? So as men think, so are they. As a woman thinketh, so is she. This morning I want to begin and lay out what is in the mind of those experiencing kingdom solutions. We have been talking about that. We've laid a foundation. We've given examples of kingdom solutions. I want to begin this morning, and i got to tell you, I'm, I'm going to give you ten of them, but this morning I'm just going to give you one. We're going to start with one. 
Because I'll tell you honestly, unless this first one is in place, this is a foundational belief, unless the first one in place, all the other nine won't even have a place to park. Natural solutions, first heaven solutions, as compared to kingdom solutions, third heaven solutions, this is what we're going to talk about. Ten beliefs that move a person from the natural to the unnatural. Would you write down just number one, and this is the only point that I'm going to give you out of the ten. There'll be things underneath it. This is the only one. And would you just write this down? Number one, God is with me and in me. God is with me and in me. Would you write this down? Developing a God consciousness. Developing a God consciousness. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, before he left, he goes, I will be with you always. Do you remember that? And right after that, he lifted off the ground. I would say that was pretty impactful. David, under the revelation, said this in Psalm 39. He goes, where can I go that you aren't there? He goes, if I go to the highest of the heavens, you are there. If I go to the greatest depths, you are there. I will never forget years ago when the Lord said to me in the midst of uh, a season of struggle and trial that I was going through, feeling like I was absolutely alone in the midst of all that was going on. All of us, we've been there. I will never forget when the Lord said, Colin, he said, if you ever feel like you're alone, you are demonically deceived. He said, if you ever feel like you are alone, you are being demonically deceived. He goes, I am with you and I am in you all the time. Can I tell you why? Can I tell you what began? I began to realize that day. And I'll tell you honestly, um, and, I, and I say it, as a Christian, even as a pastor, I was deceived a pile. I have told you one of the books that transformed my life was by Craig Hill, the book that was Deceived Who Me. I realized when the Lord said that to me, I realized I had been deceived a whole pile. The enemy successfully had me at a place where I was unconscious of God's presence with me and in me. I didn't think about it. Making me believe that I was alone, making me feel that I was alone. And let me ask you a question. When you are unconscious of God's presence, making you totally conscious of yourself, when you are feeling a struggle, when you are having a problem, when you are needing a solution, when all you are consumed with is you, where do you turn? You turn to the one you're conscious of. You turn to yourself. When we live without God, we live in the natural. And I wish I could tell you that only non-believers experience this. Can I tell you the truth? There are a pile of people who are in church every Sunday who are living in the natural. That's all they know. Even Christians experience this. 
unconscious of God with them. And so we end up living in the natural, looking to natural solution. But when we move to a place of living with a God consciousness, God in our life, we begin to move from thinking naturally to begin to thinking kingdom or supernaturally. And here's what it does. When a person is faced with a crisis or faced with a problem or faced with an opportunity, all you have to do is hear what comes out of their mouth and they instantly tell you what's going on inside. You will hear people say, hmm, I can't do that. Or else you'll hear people say, hmm, God and I can do that. Let me say it again. When a person is faced with a crisis, a problem, or an opportunity, what comes out of their mouth determines their belief system and how many even believers go, I, I can't do that. I, I, I can't. Can I tell you, I learned a long time ago, there's only a couple times when the enemy and I agree, when he says something to me and I go, you're exactly right. This is one of them. When God presents me with an opportunity, when he says, Colin, I want you to go to Africa. I want you to speak at a pastor's conference. I want you to travel around. And, I, and in my flesh, I'm looking and going, God, God I, I, I can't do that. And the enemy is going, Colin, you can't do that. You, you don't have what it takes. You can't do 27, 28 sermons. And you, know, you can't do it. And I go, hmm, devil, you're right. I can't. But God... Can you and I do that? Every time the enemy says to me when an opportunity comes up, he goes, Colin, you can't do that. I go, thanks for reminding me. I can't, but God in me can. This is the contrast. The contrast between Saul and the entire Israelite army standing with Goliath over there and they're back over here looking at him and going, we can't defeat him. We don't have what it takes. Saul, who was one head taller than everybody else in his army, looks at him and goes, we can't do that. And little ruddy David runs up to Goliath and goes, we can do this. What's the difference? Saul was conscious of himself in comparison with Goliath. David was conscious of God in comparison to Goliath. Do you know people in both camps? There have been a number of things that the Holy Spirit has used over the years to develop this God with me consciousness. But one of the ones that impacted me the greatest was the mouse and the elephant story. How many of you have heard the mouse and the elephant story? Everybody in this church, you should have heard of it somewhere. If you haven't, you're gonna hear it now. The mouse and the elephant were walking down the road together. And as they were walking, they got to a bridge and they start walking across the bridge and all of a sudden the bridge starts going like this. And the mouse looks up at the elephant and says, we're sure shaking things up around here, aren't we? <laughs> What's the story? I'm the mouse. God is the elephant. And if the enemy had his way, I would live like a mouse my entire life unconscious of the element, elephant with me. And can I tell you this? When the 12 spies went into Israel, 10 of them came back with the mouse mentality. They come back and they went, wow, those guys are giants. 
We are grasshoppers, we are mice. There is no way us as mice could ever take those giants out. They were Jews. Israelites, followers of God with a mouse mentality. But there were two of them came back. What were their names, guys? Joshua and Caleb. They come back. And they made a statement that said this. We might be mice. They might be giants. But the elephant is with us. That elephant will crush every giant on the other side of that Jordan. Let's go in there and let's walk with the elephant and let him take him out. I got to ask you a question this morning, and I want to tell you in advance, we're going to deal with the spirit at the end of today. How many of you are aware of what the orphan spirit is? Just raise your hand if you are aware of what the orphan spirit is. Most of us. I want to tell you very simply what an orphan spirit is. A child who lives conscious of their parents in their life lives with the reality of belonging because of the parents protected, because of the parents feeling loved. No child who has loving parents goes, it's me against the world. That child goes, it's me and mom and dad against the world. And because of mom and dad, we're, we're going to win. A child who lives with no parent in their life. From a young age, the mentality on the inside of them, and I want to say this because some of you work in the world with those who are literal orphans. They've never had a parent. The mentality inside of the orphan, the child who has no parent, goes, it's me against the world. It's only me that I can count on. It's only me that I can trust. The reality is, and I want to tell you, uh, most of us in here, we were raised with parents. We had them. Almost none of us here were an orphan raised without parents in our life. We can't remember life without parents, without ever thinking. We became parent conscious is what we did. Even when they weren't with us, we had parents and we were aware that we had parents. But can I tell you something? When we became Christian, becoming aware of a heavenly father who loves us, his son who gave his life, his spirit that dwells inside, I want to tell you this, every power of the enemy, every power of our flesh, and every power of the world was at work in our life to make sure we did not become parent conscious. making us forget that we are not alone, making us feel that we are alone, making us more aware of ourselves and other people around us than we ever are of God with us and in us. Can I tell you that is spiritual warfare? And we begin to function with an orphan spirit like we have no parent with us, let me give you two indicators of an orphan spirit, and I want you to hear this clearly. Because some of you in here, some of you listening, some of you have been a believer and you've been in the church for years, and the truth is you are still in bondage to the orphan spirit. 
Let me give you two indicators, very simply. Number one is this. A person who lives unconscious of God's presence with them the majority of the time in their life, they have periodic moments where they think about God or periodically when they sense his presence. I want to tell you, there, there are some people who have been in the church for years who will still say, I, I, don't, I don't experience the presence. I don't think about God being with me all the time. Every now and then, it, it happens, but the majority of the time, I don't. It sounds strange, but for those who believe that you need to come to church to be in the presence of God and to feel his presence because out there I don't experience it the same way. Can I tell you? That's an indication of an orphan spirit. They are self-conscious and other people conscious as compared to God conscious or elephant conscious. Are there people in the church with the orphan spirit? Yes, there are. Let me give you the second indicator. The second indicator is when a problem arises that needs a solution, the unconscious first place that they look for the solution is to self or to other people around them. It's the first thing that comes to their mind. How am I going to solve this? How am I going to, what am I going to do here? As compared to God, I'm so glad you're with me. What do you want me to do? What's your answer? What's your solution here? Can I tell you something that may sound very strange? Do you know that Jesus never functioned with an orphan spirit? Jesus never functioned with an orphan spirit. That means there was never a time when he looked to himself for what to do or what to say. Never a time he looked to himself. He was constantly aware of the Father's presence with him and in him. So every time he continually, Father, 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 what do you want me to say? Father, what do you want me to do? Let me ask you this. There was only one time when Jesus experienced any taste of what it would have been like to have the orphan spirit. Only one time. When did that happen? On the cross of Calvary. The Bible tells us really clearly that God laid all the sin of the world on Jesus. He did it in such a way that he actually became, 2 Corinthians, he became sin. And because sin separates people from God, Jesus was separated from the Father. How do we know? He made this statement, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? I would like to plant a picture inside of you that I have used over the years, and I pray that you uh, begin, to, begin to grasp this. Um, Ron, could I have you... Could I have you come? I, I would like Ron to represent God in my life. And I, I would like you just to be with me. Okay? This falls really short because Ron has, is on the outside of me. The truth is, if he was God, he would be in the inside of me. Uh, I heard someone say last week, they go, boy, when I'm praying, I, I just don't believe God hears me. I said, how far do you need to go for your prayer? 
you need to go from here to here. God is here. This is the distance of your prayer. People who know how to pray, this is as far as it goes. I don't have to break through any ceiling, don't have to get through any wall. God is here. When I'm praying, I'm speaking to the Father inside me. So this picture falls a little short, but I want you to get a, a, a picture that God is with me. I, I got to tell you this. So it was so cool. Um, I forget how many years ago I was up here preaching and, and somebody made a statement after service. They said, Carl, do you have any idea how big that angel is behind you? I said, I don't because I'm looking forward. And they described behind me the angelic. Well, can I tell you, I'm, I'm excited for the angelic presence, but I would exchange the angelic presence for the presence of God any day of the week. I want Ron to stay with me. doesn't matter where I go. It's going to fall short here too because if I was Jesus, um, I would be looking at Ron every time. Ron would tell me what to say and then I would say it. Or I would look to him and I'd go, God, what do you want me to do? And then I would go ahead and do it. I'm going to do the speaking. He's just going to be the presence, okay? Can you, can you work with that image with me? Just, just work with that. For years, when I came to Camrose, taught confirmation, taught grade five Christian education in, in the classrooms in, in school, in, uh, in Camrose here, I would ask my students this question. I would say, I want to ask you this. And these are kids that are nine, 10, 11 years of age. I would ask them this question. I said, I want you to think if the moment you woke up in the morning, I want you to think that your parent would be in your bedroom when you woke up, your parent would be there, and everywhere you went all day long, you went to the washroom, you had breakfast, you went to school, you went to your friend's house, you went to the store, everywhere you went, your parent was with you. I looked at them and I said, can I ask you a question? How differently would you live your life? These are grade five kids, nine, 10, 11 years of age. You know what their response was? The majority of them went, oh my goodness. <laughs> it went, I'd be totally different than I am now. And I go, what do you mean? And they go, well, there's a bunch of things I wouldn't say if my parents were there. They go, there's a bunch of things I wouldn't do if my parents were there. I said, okay, can I ask you another question? I said, imagine for a moment. Imagine for a moment that you wake up in the morning and it wasn't your parent there, but I was there. Pastor Colin, representing God, was right there when you woke up. And all day long, I was with you everywhere you went, the washroom, the kitchen, to school, your friend's house, the movie, everywhere you went, Pastor Colin was with you. I said, can I ask you now, how different would you live your life? <laughs> they were freaking. <laughs> and I asked them, I said, how come? They go, oh my goodness. If you were there, Pastor Colin, there's things I say with my parents that I wouldn't say in front of you. I said, go with me for a second. I said, I want you to think about this. Imagine for a moment that when you wake up in the morning, Almighty God is in your bedroom. He's standing right beside you, just like this. Almighty God is right there. And all day long, everything you do, God goes with you everywhere you go. Goes to the washroom, does the kitchen, goes to school, does everything. Almighty God is with you. I said, let me ask you a question. How differently would you live your life? By this time, the kids were with me. They were following. And I made this statement to them. I said, I want to tell you something. Even though you wake up and you can't see that God is there, the reality is he is there. And I said this. I want you to think about this. 
Your first thought when you think about God being with you is, oh, all the things that I shouldn't do. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't treat that kid that way. But I said, I want you to think about that. Think about all the things that you would do because God is here. Think about the confidence that you would have. Think about the things that you would say that you wouldn't normally say. Think about the things that you would do because now you look and go, God, can we do that? He goes, hey, I'm right here. We can do what you can't do. I said, how many more things would you do if you had God with you than if you didn't have him with you? In Chosen, some of you remember that scene where Jesus had the children. Do you remember? And he had the little fire there and the little girl comes up and she runs away and then comes back and brings, what's, what's his name, the brave? What was his name? What was his name? I forget his name, but he called him the brave because he was a chicken. And then she brought back seven of her other friends and they were all there. And at the very end of that, he's had time and he was teaching them. He looks at them and goes, he goes, I hope that my followers will be as good as students as you are. His statement was, I hope the adults that I'm teaching can grasp it the way that you guys as children can grasp it. Can I tell you, I watched those little grade, grade five kids, the lights kind of went on and they became conscious of something that most adults never grasped their entire life. I could tell you story after story about how God did a work in those kids' lives. With spiritual eye, God consciousness, elephant conscious. I want to tell you one thing in my life. 1999 is when Jane and I and the family, we moved out to the ranch. We were going to build our house in 2001. Boxing day of the year 2000, uh, I broke my leg, was on the skidoo. Jane was in town dropping somebody off. I was out skidooing. I hit an ice thing coming off of our slough, broke my leg in two places, crawled back to the skidoo, crawled, drove it to the yard, waited there for Jane to get back. You know the story. I went to the hospital. They cut off my favorite boot, ticked me off really bad, but they cut it off. They put my leg, my foot was like this. They put my leg back up like this, and both my bones popped into place. So because of that, they gave me a choice. They said, you can either have surgery, we'll ship you to Edmonton, we can put pins in there, in about three weeks you can start walking, or we'll just cast it this way and you will heal. It'll take longer, but there'll be no pins, no arthritis, nothing issue with weather. It'll take a little longer. Jane and I talked about it, prayed about it, decided we we're gonna go that route. Six months was in that cast. June came, there was a wedding we had to do in the church. And so we were in the, CR, uh, in the senior center at that time. Young couple got married in June. I walked up to the stage with my crutches on. I set my crutches aside. I was able to stand up there in balance uh, like this and did the, did the wedding with my crutches. When that was all done, they brought my crutches and I walked back with the crutches. A little later that summer, um, I, and as I was starting to walk, I had to, I had to do some things around the farm. And so one of the things I had to do is I had to put sheep wire around one of our pastures so that the sheep didn't get out. I'm out there, ran the wire, I'm out there going from post to post to post, and while I'm out there putting these, these staples in the post, I got a pile of thoughts going through my mind, but a pile of these thoughts were, uh, that was an incredibly lonely period for me. Struggled greatly during that period of time. Struggled with spirituality, with relationships with people. Struggled with comparison. Struggled with a whole pile of things. And that battle was going on as I was walking, doing post to post to post, and I will never forget I will never forget. And I can still see the place in the pasture. I can almost know the post where I was at. 
The thought hit me, and I knew that it was God speaking. The thought hit me, and it said, Colin, you are not alone. I am with you. Now, some of you will grasp this, some of you won't. But I want to tell you, in that moment, when I tell you one word from God can change everything, in that moment, I want to tell you, self-consciousness, even as an adult, broke off of me. Comparison in relationship with other people broke off of me. The belief that I was alone and feeling alone and believing, that broke off of me. Can I tell you in short what broke? Out there in the pasture with that prose, the orphan spirit lost its power in my life. The orphan spirit. They were gone. Something changed that day in a moment. Changed the rest of my life. I got to tell you, even as a young pastor, I struggled with the orphan spirit. But that day in the pasture, the presence of God became more real, the orphan spirit broke, and the elephant became alive in my life. I want you to think Ron's presence representing God is with me. You can see it, but I want to tell you, even when Ron is not there representing, the presence of God with me is more real than you are. When I'm standing in Africa doing what I had no idea was going to do, the presence of God has given me the ability to step into that. When I am, doesn't matter where I am, I'm in a counseling session and I'm dealing with demons manifesting from people, the presence of God with me is more real than that and allows me to do what I need to do. Can I tell you, I, I am more aware when I wake up at night of God's presence than I am my own. That orphan spirit was broken. When the elephant is there, we turn to the elephant. Whether it's running out of gas, elephant, what do we do? Or it's splitting the Red Sea, elephant, what do we do? We turn to him. If we are living unaware that he is there, we turn to ourselves, we turn to other people, and we miss the third heaven solution. As I was waiting on the Lord, the Lord said, call before you go any farther in the series, you need to deal with the orphan spirit in your body. I said, okay. Thank you, Ron. Can I just have you have a seat? Dana, are you free to be able to come? Zach, if you could do that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning if, as I gave the indicator, the orphan spirit of that is where you are. You will know if self-consciousness, if you are more aware of you, you will know that when something comes in front of you, if you go, I can't do that, I can't do that, that is the mantra coming out of your mouth, I can't do that. Would you bow with me this morning? Father, when you made the statement and said, if there's ever a time when you feel alone, 
if you believe that you are alone, you are demonically deceived. Because the reality is my presence with you is greater. When I said I will never leave you, I meant it. When I said you could go to the highest mountain, you could go to the deepest ocean, and I would be there, you will never be alone. Father, I'm so thankful the greater are you in us than he who's in the world. Your heart is for every one of your children. When you created Adam and Eve in the garden, you created them to live in fellowship and communion with you, to be aware of your presence. We know how the enemy changed things in the garden. We know how the enemy has been seeking to bring us to a place where even as Christians, we live our life unconscious of you with us and in us. The mouse without the elephant. Father, I thank you that you have exposed in your body the orphan spirit that has caused people to live without an awareness of you, caused them to live like the 10 spies coming back, all they could see was the giant and they saw themselves as grasshoppers. I thank you that you have come to break that. Father, right now, those in this place, those who are hearing, who recognize that that is the place where they are, they may pop in and out of an awareness of your presence, but the majority of the time they live unconscious of you with them, unconscious of you in them. I thank you that you have given us the authority to break every stronghold, to remove every demonic entity, and for us to come into that place, the awareness of your presence. Father, right now in this place, you know every person. You know those who are in bondage to that orphan spirit. Right now, I ask that you would plant inside of them such a desire to have that broken off, such a desire to walk in an awareness of the elephant continually. Waking up in the morning and the elephant is present. All throughout the day, the elephant is present. Never making the statement, I can't do it. But it's looking at you going, elephant, do we do it? If this morning you know that you are more conscious of yourself than you are of God's presence with you and in you. I want to tell you God has given you the authority as a child of God to deal with that spirit. In a moment, I'm going to have you repeat after me. And we are going to speak directly to that demonic entity that has found its way into the body of Christ, that has stolen from believers from the time of the garden until now. If 
you know this is you. I have been there. All of us have been there at one time. This is where you are today. I want to invite you to repeat after me. It'll be my words, but it will be your voice and your authority and your faith. Would you repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I thank you for making me your child and filling me with your spirit. I thank you for the authority that you have given me in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, orphan spirit that has bound me, I speak to you now and I command you to release me, be gone in Jesus' name. And Heavenly Father, I ask that you would come and fill me. Take back all the ground that that orphan spirit held and awaken inside of me the reality of you with me and in me. Make me elephant conscious. Never again to be deceived and to forget. By faith, I say thank you, Lord. Father, right now I ask you to seal what you have done in the life of every one of your children today who has exercised your authority to be free. I pray today would be the day standing at the post, hearing your voice, getting a revelation, I am not alone. Waking up with the elephant in the room. Living my life with the elephant with me. And going to bed with the elephant in my life. Father, thank you that as you equip us to walk in kingdom solution, you are posturing us in every circumstance to no longer look at ourselves, trusting in you with all of our heart, no longer leaning on our own understanding, but in all our ways. Like Jesus did, acknowledging you believing you will direct our path. If you are here today or if you are listening online and you recognize there has never been a time in your life where as an act of your will you have prayed to receive Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior, let today be the day. I invite you to pray after me, Lord Jesus. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and for rising from the dead. 
I ask you now to come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Would you fill me with your spirit and empower me to live aware of your presence with me and in me until I see you face to face. If you have prayed that prayer, I want to say welcome to the family of God. I'd love to hear from you. Church, would you stand and receive the blessing of the Lord this morning? The Lord bless you today and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and to be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and today fill you full his peace and a profound awareness of his presence. I declare that in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody receiving said, Amen. God bless you, church.